0: Welcome to Digital Hospitality. I am your host, Sean Walchef. This is a Cali BBQ Media production. We've got a special three episodes that are going to cover how to open up a ghost kitchen or a virtual brand. We had multiple conversations on Clubhouse, which I highly suggest you join. Uh, We have a digital hospitality room on Clubhouse, but we joined forces with the best served podcast, Chef Jensen Cummings and Kyle and Sarah from the National Restaurant Owners podcast to host a three part series on how to open up a ghost kitchen. So if you're fascinated with digital hospitality, which why you're listening to this podcast, we hope you enjoy this episode and the subsequent two episodes. Hopefully you learned something. If you have any questions, please reach out at Sean P. Walchef on social media. That's S.H.A.W.N. Middle initial P, W A L C H E F and we have recently launched our media coaching program. So if you'd like to receive some media coaching or if you'd like more information on how to open up a restaurant, a virtual kitchen, a ghost kitchen, how to become a media company, please reach out to us. Uh, we hope you enjoy the episode and be sure to send us a tweet. Let us know what you think.
1: Welcome virtual ghost kitchen launch party uh, with myself, Jensen Cummings, The Bester Podcast. We've got Sean P. Walshef of Cali Barbecue, Cali Barbecue Media and Digital Hospitality, as well as Kyle and Sarah from Restaurant Owner Podcast on. I'll let these guys introduce themselves in a little bit. We're going to go through some definitions because, again, this stuff can be really confusing on what's happening of the shifting landscape. So virtual ghost kitchens, lots of terminology. I'll try to uh, break that down for you a little bit so we at least have a a little bit of an understanding of what language we're speaking here. And uh, yeah, with no further ado, I want to get... uh, Sean and Kyle to introduce themselves, super honored to be sharing the uh, stage with these two uh, operators, these two visionaries that I definitely look up to. So I appreciate the, uh, the opportunity to share this space with you. Sean, you want to uh, let people know who you are, what you're all about?
0: sure thank you jensen Uh, my name is sean walchef owner of cali barbecue media we are a barbecue brand and a media brand Um, we own a single unit barbecue restaurant for the last 13 years in san diego Uh, we opened in a very difficult location uh just after um the great recession so not only was it after the great recession but it was also uh, a time where the iPhone came out. So we've literally built our business. Um, We struggled like hell to get people to care about who we were and what we did. Uh, But we built our business using digital marketing, social media marketing, getting on all the apps. And now we've launched our first ghost kitchen location um, in Barrio Logan at the Barrio Food Hub. So we're part of 23 other brands um, that I'll that some of them operate multiple concepts, so probably about fifty different brands coming out of one location. Um, Steven Swiderski, who is in the audience, is uh, our catering manager. He's running that Barrio Food Hub location. Um, Stover is my producer of Cali Barbecue Media. I see Josh in the audience. I see Calvin. I see Brian. So. I'm really loving Clubhouse because it's um, it's real time I would like to call live podcasting I mean Jensen uh, Jensen and Kyle and I have all become friends we've all been on each other's podcasts and I respect the hell out of the work that they're doing because it's boots on the ground but then it's also sharing it through media so having conversations like this through podcasting through Clubhouse um, obviously on Instagram and all the other social platforms but I'm excited to 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 dive into the opportunity and there's there's never been a greater opportunity to be in business, um, especially if you're using the thing that's in your hand. Um, the future of food, the future of hospitality—we're holding it right now, uh, and that's the smartphone. I mean, the smartphone is connecting real life to digital, and those digital stories that people are telling online is bringing people into our businesses. That's bringing people to our food. It's bringing us to the story behind the food, and I'm really excited for the conversation today. Um, I know Troy—I I brought up on stage as well. He's he is a limited time, so I'm not sure when we can get him to speak before uh, 9.30, but I've been in clubhouse rooms with him for the last week while my family, uh, my wife and children are in Bulgaria. I've been going all in on clubhouse, but I feel like Troy and I are, have become close friends, um, and that's the cool thing about this app. So thanks for letting me share, and I'm excited for the conversation.
1: Such great relationships formed all over the interwebs through this pandemic and Clubhouse. The timing of it was perfect. And this is where Sean, Kyle, and so many connected. So, uh, Kyle, you want to go ahead and tell people a little bit about yourself, what you're all about, and kind of the connection to the virtual Ghost Kitchen
2: model. Sure. Thanks, uh, thanks, Jensen. And I, I really hate going after Sean because he's so well spoken. It's like he's so put together. Get out of here!
0: Can't take <laughs> don't, it, man. Fla- don't flatter me. <laughs> we'll, we'll bring Stover on stage. Who produces every podcast?
2: Oh, and hears every word that comes out of my mouth. That's where the truth comes. Okay. Uh, yeah, my name is Kyle and Sarah. I'm a commercial real estate advisor that works. Um, strictly with emerging restaurant concepts across the country. Um, I'm also a restaurateur, have owned my own restaurants for the better part of about 20 years. Um, And yeah, just like Sean said, I'm big into using digital media, both in my uh, commercial practice, uh, the restaurant practice, and any other... (laughs) Practice, i.e., TikTok, with my wife where she gets annoyed. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I smile every time Sean says he's a restaurant and a digital media company because I think that's that's where we're at, and I love it, and I love Clubhouse, and I'm excited to hear everybody's thoughts on Ghost Kitchens because I think I have a few controversial ones. Oh, I dig it. Yes. Lots of controversy
1: across everything happening in our space right now, which is why we're here. So the goal of this room, I think many more rooms to come with Sean, Kyle and I is we're we're just trying to think differently. We recognize that the industry that we came up with and a lot of things that we built have been exposed in many ways, toxic culture, Unsustainable practices, non-viable business models as a whole, and so now it's time to reimagine everything. Like Sean said, that this phone is a powerful tool, and it is how customers are finding us, and now how customers are ordering directly from us. And so we want to unpack that a little bit and kind of dig into this new model. So. I want to go through some terminology stuff because even for me, sometimes it gets a little bit confusing what we're talking about. What we're talking about is a ghost kitchen, a virtual kitchen, dark kitchen. This one's fucking weird and new that I just heard it, a, a, a headless restaurant, which just evokes all kinds of horrible imagery uh, talking about controversy. So we're going to be digging that what we're talking about. And there's multiple different models of this. You'll see virtual restaurants where somebody may have a restaurant and they, They have a taco restaurant. They have a barbecue restaurant. But at night, to utilize and maximize their space, they may also do a Wings-exclusive Concept. Uh, I think of it's just wings, right? Which is the Chili's concept that did 150 million dollars in its first year, something that Sean pointed out. And so, you can use your existing restaurant space to create multiple brands within that. So that's one. You have the shared kitchen where you have, uh, you know, three kitchens that are that are sharing one space that are utilizing and sharing each other's equipment. So almost like a commissary model, but you're basically creating a little bit of a co-op space. So you kind of have that shared kitchen. You have the potential for a centralized kitchen. This would be where your kitchen is servicing multiple satellite outlets of your own. Uh, what you And Kyle can probably help us unpack this, the, the real estate side of it being so expensive that you might have smaller uh, locations um, that are doing carryout and delivery. And then you have a centralized kitchen that's feeding maybe three of your units. Uh, then you have the... Um, Kind of like sauce, Uh software as a service, you kind of have not the cost, kitchen as a service, where uh, we'll talk about this a little bit. This is something that I'm uh, intimately involved, my team is consulting on a project that opens here in the next couple of weeks in Denver called Chef Ready, where it's a virtual food hall, 10 locations, 250 square foot kitchens that operators can rent out for say a year, two years, and, uh, and be able to do delivery and carry out only. No bar, no dining room, uh, just people walking in the door to pick up food on the way home or utilizing third party delivery apps. And then uh, finally you'll have Uh, these multifunctional service providers where they are utilizing multiple concepts under one roof, uh, utilizing different models and potentially having both dine in service as well as uh, the carry-out and delivery. So a lot to unpack there. Again, there's a recording of this where you can figure out what the hell is going on. We're also going to share a ton of resources. So in the descriptions in the recordings, we'll have links to a bunch of information, because this is, today is going to melt your fucking face off. So don't worry about remembering all this. We'll have that information for you. So that you guys can navigate that later. Some other terms I want you to be
0: Jensen, I wanted to add one more term.
1: Please, please do.
0: And that's the friendly ghost kitchen, which is what we advocate for. So by friendly ghost kitchen, it goes back to what Kyle said is we believe every brand needs to be their own media brand. And the problem that I have with ghost kitchens is it evokes uh, a digital grab for real estate so people trying to open up a just putting a logo out there and I'm, we're a wing concept but not telling the story behind the concept and what we tried to do with our friendly ghost kitchen and Steven like I said is in the audience he runs uh, the kitchen for us. But we try to share the story. The the barbecue isn't getting smoked downtown San Diego at Barrio Logan. We're smoking it in Spring Valley, and we're sharing that story of the process on social media. So I think that's something that uh, is important for any kind of brands. If you're a single-unit brand, if you're a caterer that's launching, if you're a chef that's opening up a concept, it's important to share that story of... Of what's happening because it's through that transparency that people are going to become regulars um, and you become part of that community you're not just there for a transaction you're not just there to make a quick sale um, you're there forever you're there to be a part of the community
1: oh preach rather that is something we're gonna talk about a lot today is how we bring hospitality in something that feels cold a la the ghost kitchen feels like there's not of people in your dining room being able to interact with. So we're gonna talk about that a lot. A couple of other terminologies just to break down third party delivery apps. We're talking about DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats, Postmates. All right, so we're gonna dig into that. Service fees, delivery fees. These are the charges that are getting tacked on. This is where there's more controversy. Are they charging you 30%? How is that a viable business model? So Those service and delivery fees are gonna be touched on quite a bit as well. Last mile, last mile is the actual driving infrastructure. So somebody might be utilizing DoorDash, they might also have Chow Now or Ritual say on their website where somebody's Mm -hmm. ordering directly from them through their portal. And then even DoorDash drives or another driving logistics transportation service would then service that last mile and get the food actually to the customer so that you are utilizing that. may not be utilizing the marketing functionality of what uh, a marketplace like DoorDash, Grubhub, Uber Eats is. So that's last mile. Uh, Internally, we'll talk about order aggregators, the ability, something like Cubo, where all these orders can be coming from these different platforms. And you might have to have six different tablets, some of the technology that's aggregating that information so that you can work off a single platform and be able to execute tickets. That'll come up, I'm sure. KDS, Kitchen Display System, that is where you're um, able to then know what these orders are, being able to push them. Um, The term bump will come up, uh, especially when we're talking about these kind of virtual food hall models, a la Cloud Kitchen, uh, Uh Kitchen United being some of the big national brands in that space. And so that's the breakdown of some of the terminology. I'm already exhausted. I've already talked too much. Kyle, uh, jump in here. Help me out. Let's set the stage for the st- scale and scope of this massive what's happening with delivery and carryout non-existent when we came up in the industry, and now it is becoming a mainstay. And I think some restaurants did it begrudgingly during the pandemic and are trying to go back to business as usual. And there is no business as usual. This is here to stay and going to be ever growing. So can you break it down the numbers for us a little bit the scale and give us some some
2: context there? Yeah. I mean, I, I can tell you two stories personally. One, when I started the restaurant business, when I started as an owner in 2008, I remember distinctly these own words coming out of my mouth saying, there's no, there's no fucking way we're doing delivery. We're not doing delivery. I don't want any delivery guys in here. We were making like a thin crust pizza and it was like, this is not going to fly. It's not going to work in New York in February. You know, if you're the fifth spot on here, it's not going to work. The packaging doesn't work. The pasta is going to be wrong. And it's amazing to see over the last 10 years, particularly over the last year, how important this has become and how operators, even operators that I know that have a killer business did not have an infrastructure in place to tackle this now and it's been uh, completely complete i mean it's been completely you know top of the mind since the pandemic and it's interesting to see all these ancillary companies come up and show companies how to to you know manage it whether it's the platform how it's coming in how how to package it better how to brand it better um, i would say that 99 percent of the conversations that i have um, what I'm showing a space to a to a client is where the delivery is going to be. Where are we gonna Where are we gonna You know, can we? Do we have space to put another fryer in the back? Can we put a whole other line in the back? It's um, been incredibly important to everybody i spoke to and that goes from everyone you know like a next level burger a national client that i work with to a mom and pop concept here in new york um, they've all put a top of mind because they're all competing against each other when they're on these platforms so it's been interesting to watch and i think you know the ones who have have you know transitioned well are are in the best position to really kind of take the next step here and, and, and really dominate this next, you know, restaurant resurgence or rewired, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's amazing how it's, how it's kind of come on the scene so fast. Yeah. And just give everyone just a couple numbers, just to give you an idea
1: of, uh, Gary V talks about, you know, buying beachfront property in Malibu in 1910. Right. Or I think there's just, uh, you know, Sean mentioned this. Jeff Bezos talked about how the internet, this weird thing, this fad called the internet was growing at 2300% and started this little book company called Amazon that now obviously is a behemoth. So there's massive opportunity. This is a this is a land grab. Global online yeah, food delivery service market is expected to grow from 115 billion in 2020 to 116 billion in 2021. This year 26 billion additional. We're talking about a 10% growth just year on date now as things open back up. So a lot of analysts expected this, the kind of plateau a little bit, maybe dip back down as people like really push themselves back into uh, indoor outdoor dining and full service. But it looks like it's going to grow. And we're talking about 192, almost 200 billion in 2025. And uh, and globally, I mean, they're talking trillions within the next uh, couple decades. So massive opportunity there, big, big numbers as far as yeah. that goes. Anything else as, as far as the numbers go?
2: I mean, I, I, I know that Sean had thrown together some stuff here and it seems like, you know, that, that $71 billion, um, you know, the, the growth to $71 billion a year, uh, in the at the growth with, in the ghost kitchen market. I mean, that is a staggering number when it comes to any level of food related sales, but when you see names involved with this, like Amazon, Google, uber i mean there's there's something here right they see something here and a lot of it to me is is going down the customer data and all that stuff i don't want to really go down that rabbit hole yet but it's it's um it's a behemoth and and it's not going anywhere
0: yeah i just i wanted to add you know on the you just have to follow what what are the what are the giants doing and the giants like amazon they invested five 175 million dollars for 16% stake in Deliveroo, and that's a ghost kitchen hub in the UK. Uh, Cloud Kitchens—that's a venture that is backed by Travis Kalanick, the former Uber founder kitchens united is backed by google's venture branch i mean this is just telling you what these companies understand gary v just got involved in a restaurant concept um you know you see all the celebrities that are launching their virtual kitchen brands the youtube personalities that have their virtual kitchen brands the franchising brands so uh you know this is part of the ecosystem that we're not always going to know where that food is coming from, which is back to why I say Friendly Ghost Kitchen is telling the story. And ultimately, it's going to be systems that are going to prevail. I mean, there's a reason why McDonald's is as successful as it is because no matter how you feel about McDonald's, if you order a Big Mac here in San Diego and I go to Bulgaria and I order a Big Mac, it's going to taste the same. So, you know, as these companies scale as fast as they do, we know personally just cooking barbecue, we have to build a master smokehouse in order to open up 10 additional ghost kitchen locations. If we're going to do that, we have to focus on the craft and we have to focus on the story. Um, So it's very interesting time. And um, I'm excited to have this conversation.
1: So two things I want to say, and then we're going to, we're going to get to uh some people who are going to tell us a little bit about what they're thinking in the ghost kitchen space concepts ideas uh brainstorm a little bit get some feedback q a all that there's an interesting thing at play here because so many people in in our circles in our orbits so many of the people in this room here are so fiercely independently minded that you know we're all about that chef driven the mom and pop the those concepts and so there's two things at play here. One, we're talking about fucking behemoth companies that are in this space. It can be daunting and overwhelming. How the hell would I compete with one of these companies? And the answer is that you don't, you do not compete with them. You do not play their game. What Sean is talking about, what I'm going to continue to say again and again and again, is that the food does not actually matter. The food is just the proof that you are who you say you are the stories that you tell the community that you build the brand. That you express is always what's going to set you apart. The food, po- the food battery fire. You better have those systems. You better be able to execute. That's just the barrier of entry. That's just the cost of doing business. What you need to do is not play their game. You need to siphon as much learning and systems and strategies and tactics from them, absolutely, and then be able to deploy that in the meaningful, thoughtful, and personal way that you're going to build something that speaks to who you are, who your community is, what they're all about. So I think that's gonna be an undercurrent of this. And we're hoping that we give you enough of the nuts and bolts to be able to do that. My hope is that one person in this room gets a piece of feedback that changes their trajectory that two people connect and please follow each other click on your everyone's face in the room right now and follow them because you never know if that person just like sean and kyle and i are here because we answer every dm we do every collab we believe in building community that you will find somebody who will change your life and or you will change theirs, that you become a mentor, that they invest in you, that they start working with you, that they have a product or a service that can change your game. So please utilize this time, this space. Well, so um, with no further ado, I want to bring some people up to talk, Sean, you, you mentioned Troy might might have to bounce yeah. want to um, start there. And then I got a couple people and we can kind of bounce around a little bit. But I want to give everyone uh, time to tell
0: us uh, what they're up to. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I want to bring Troy up on stage and pass the mic to him. I've been beyond impressed at all, all of his situational knowledge when it comes to robotics and AI and hospitality from an operations standpoint, a marketing standpoint, and uh, a thought leader standpoint. So, Troy, I'm going give to you, give you the mic. Hopefully uh, you can hear me and uh, you get your, your time before you, before you have to head out.
3: Hey, Sean. Hey guys. Thanks so much. Uh, really awesome to be here. Uh, actually, uh, squeezed out a little extra time. I'll be here a little bit longer than I said, but thanks for that consideration. And uh, I'm glad I can make it. I-, I knew this was going to be a powerhouse room and my God, I mean, look here, Eric Cacciatore sitting next to me. That's awesome. Um, you know, I don't know if you want to tee it up. I mean, what do you want me to kind of touch on? I mean, obviously it's a big universe. You guys got a four hour list of uh, terms there that you could go
2: through and talk about.
0: I think the most, Important thing for me that I've been finding out about Clubhouse and anybody that's listening to this audio recording through Any way you find it on podcasts or through social is is getting involved in Clubhouse with who people are because it's the connection So if you could let the room know um, who Troy is and and, and what you do um, Then people can click on your profile start to follow you turn notifications on when you're talking in other rooms um, Because I know I have my notifications on whenever you join another stage. So that would be helpful.
3: Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks. So, um, yeah, I've been a uh, hospitality um, specialist, turnaround consultant and um, and restaurant scale developer uh, for 25 years. Uh, three years ago, we split off my hospitality group into two factions and created the Kiwi Restaurant Partners with my partner, Mark Bailey, who's been a franchise uh, operations um uh, executive and and um, and brand scaler for about 40 years um, with the intention of two things is um, uh, start to uh, kind of be more of a partner to uh, restaurants who are looking to scale from the ground up uh, and and ultimately find their way into the franchise universe and do it right because we see it not done correctly uh, most of the time or a lot of the time. uh, We thought we could uh, bring a boutique uh, consulting firm to to that area and then ultimately build our own um, restaurant group. And that's what has evolved over the last three years with the advent of Nourish. And Nourish launches this year with four pod kitchens um, in the Los Angeles area. And basically, we are a venue agnostic, um, self-contained, all-healthful organic, food, food hall, uh, or ghost kitchen, or all of the t- terms that you threw out at the beginning of this. So uh, Nourish will be a one-stop shop, all-owned operated corporate store, housing eight to 10 organic eatery brands that, um, that, uh, that are uh, ingredient sourced is uh, all regional, seasonal, organic, clean known sourcing ingredients so our idea is um, basically to expand on the sweet greens universe well beyond uh, the salad opportunity when you want to eat healthy or the vegan restaurant when you want to eat healthy because we're not vegan but we do have lots of options in that area so we just want to bring more healthy food to more people in more places and uh, if you give me 695 square feet of kitchen i can run 10 brands off of that and um and bring you a tremendous variety through a collection of like-minded concepts so That's what we're up to, and I really appreciate having the opportunity.
0: Thank you, Troy. That was uh, incredible.
1: Yeah, I think this is going to be a recurring theme. we got a lot of visionary people in the room right now that are really trying to change everything about the way that we interact with food, our relationship with food, because we are all in the relationship business and no relationship was ever built by any product or service It's always built by people. We just use the products, the food, the space to galvanize us, to bring people together, like-mindedness to have similar tastes and preferences. So I appreciate uh, hearing a lot of that. Uh, I want to bring, uh, Michelle Fox up to speak now. And, uh, for anybody that doesn't know Michelle Fox, uh, just, Speaking of visionary, visionary chef, farmer based in Washington, just badass Brazilian skater who uh, is doing amazing work and mentorship uh, in the continent of Africa with Food Bay TV. Uh, somebody who is absolutely going to change the game for sure. And we've talked a lot about terminology, speaking of terminology, seasonality, another but, uh catchphrase word that has become so hollow in our industry is this idea of seasonality but uh, michelle is really looking to reimagine what that means in the way that we interact with food and thinking about uh both low low tech fingers in the soil to high tech in the way that we navigate connecting those two potentially polarizing uh, mentalities and approaches and so michelle uh, tell us a little bit about Kind of what you're thinking in this space you know uh food concepts what is something that you have working with something that you want other people to pick up the mantle and be able to carry to speak to us a little bit
4: good morning thank you for that amazing introduction i don't have to say anything else about myself that was amazing um So glad to be here. Uh, You know, I was thinking about ghost kitchens. um, When you invited me to this room, I'm literally on 90 acres in the middle of nowhere, almost at the Canadian border. So a ghost kitchen obviously here doesn't work, right? Um, But I was thinking, okay, so when I hear everybody talking about ghost kitchens, and, and we're going towards that, it's like, this race of how many brands can I put together and, and how many um, how much of the market can I bite for myself and, and and all that. So if I'm gonna bring anything into this room, um, I think it's the idea of take a minute, take a deep breath, slow down. You don't need to bite the entire market, you know, you need to see how can you make an impact because um, going back or keep going in this in this motto of let's just make more spend more make more you know call Cisco get whatever sell as much as we can um, we're not doing a favor to anyone not to the planet not to ourselves um, not to our children um, you know so take a second so if I was gonna do a ghost kitchen if I could do a ghost kitchen what I would do I think is I will partnership with a few farms um, around me um, like true partnerships where we're talking seasonal food here uh, where you really would cook with what is in season at the time and you would offer that to your clients saying hey Maybe you have pasta in your house, but we are making this amazing sauce. Uh, we make five sauces a week. We make five sauces a week. We make, um, you know, everything that we can make straight from ingredients to create kind of a product that could be delivered to people because most people know how to. But all the things, the jam that can go in that burger or the sauce that can go into that pasta, that's something that people need chefs to do that for them. So um, instead of create, you know, just the idea of creating a ghost kitchen that doesn't necessarily provide you with the entire meal already all done, but provides you with those key ingredients um, and, and, and recipes that uh, you need a chef to do. So you can then learn, you can have a QR code, so then the chef can teach you how to do it for the next time. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tanabe is super long winded. Just the relationship, everybody, if you're in the restaurant, and I talked to Troy a lot about this, um, remember, without the farmers, we have no food. And without partnering with farmers, they are all dying because they're old and their children don't want to be farmers anymore. Um, so what can we do to make sure that small and medium farms are still farming in the next 20 years? Thank you.
1: Yeah, I want to let Kyle and Sean pick this up, but I want to – interesting the way that you're positioning this. What I think there is an absolute opportunity for is that somebody in the culinary space becomes almost the pass-through for the agriculture within their community, which I think is interesting. So you can do a multitude of things. I mean, I think every single brand needs to be in CPG, consumer packaged goods. If you're not packaging your salsa, your chimichurri sauce, your barbecue sauce, your seasoning, you are missing the game that you're actually in. That brand recognition, awareness, same top of mind key. I think creating that conduit where you can do a multitude of things you can do ready to go. You can make that complete pasta dish. You can give them parts and pieces of it. You can look at being a la meal kit and all of those things being on demand, I think is the key that again to sean's point you pick up this phone in your hand and you're able to get those pieces uh sean kyle either you guys want to pick it up what will be the questions concerns uh you know thinking about ghost kitchen virtual kitchen uh part of the vulnerability would be the cost of it associated with then just being a pass-through so you do need to be able to make sure that you get a high enough ticket transaction thoughts there kyle sean you guys want to pick this up a little bit
0: with michelle Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to piggyback on what Michelle said. Um, that that's an incredible story, and it's something that we hold near and dear to our heart. And that's even though this is the great gold rush, the digital gold rush for real estate, and you know, trying to figure out how many brands you can launch. Ultimately, what what we see as the competitive advantage is the people that are craftsmen. So if you're focusing on your craft and if that's sustainability, if that's healthy food, if that's barbecue, if that's pizza, whatever your craft is, ultimately it's slow food, fast. So there was the huge fast food movement, obviously, which now all these fast food brands have the opportunity to become ghost kitchens and virtual kitchens. But you know the the real competitive advantage that we see as independent operators, as chefs, as people that want to get into the space is like this is allowing us to get a seat at the table. So if we get a seat at the table, then we have the opportunity to understand, well, if we can build a master smokehouse where we're doing our craft and slow smoking our barbecue, now it's just a distribution. How do we get our barbecue to other people and don't discriminate that they have to come to us to get it? So if they order it through their phone, can we get it to them? And that's you know ultimately what, what I like to, to talk about is the, is, the, is the biggest opportunity. And that's how do we slow down food and serve better food and serve better stories, but then deliver it digitally?
2: yeah i was i was you know one of the things that i i see as being a challenge for for it. you know the independent ghost kitchen operators i'd love to hear sean's experience or anybody else's experience in the space is marketing right i mean it's kind of like it's it's the same deal that's happening in traditional real estate is you're competing for the attention with the big boys. So if you're a ghost kitchen that makes a fried chicken sandwich, well, you better fucking bring it because your marketing has gotta be on point in how you're gonna stand out because nobody wants to scroll down to the 10th most you know, visible chicken sandwich on whatever platform you're on you offer native delivery, okay. I love that. I think that's what you should absolutely do. But how are you driving traffic to your to your ordering? I think there's a lot of challenges out there and which is the reason why I said there were some controversial things. I'm not I'm not all in on the ghost kitchen thing without seeing who's running the marketing and what the plan is, because it is so much more about that than it is about the food. And I think if you are not prepared to put that hat on as an operator, you better put it as a line item in your budget because you're playing against the Popeyes, the Chili's, the Chipotle's you're paying against everybody. And if it's not top of mind, it's, I mean, yeah, it's like opening up in a dark alley you would never take that space you would never take the space with no parking with no visibility with no signage with crappy rent you're not you wouldn't do it so i think there's a a, a belief amongst a lot of people and i don't think you know i think everyone in this room has has, has it figured out to an extent that, that we all do but they're like i'm just gonna open a ghost kitchen and good good luck i had the ceo of Zul on my podcast and I, yeah, i'm not trying to Push the podcast, but check out that episode because there's some real challenges to getting these spaces up and running. You know, in addition to to the marketing, there's some operational stuff. There's zoning. There's can you get gas to the site? You know, there's there's a lot of things, and um, I, I think it's 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 all coming to light now. So I'm I'm really happy to be part of this conversation.
0: I, I couldn't agree more with Kyle, and I think that's something that I need to talk more about is the ghost kitchen opportunity is a great opportunity for us because we've been operating in a very difficult market for a very long time, and we figured out how to use the smartphone to tell stories. So back to what, you know, Kyle, your your point about marketing is, I think the competitive advantage is what my, my media mentor, David Meltzer, teaches me, and that's the truth vibrates the fastest. So the competitive advantage of a chef or somebody that's getting into the ghost kitchen space, while they might not be able to move up the rankings on Uber Eats or DoorDash, they do have the opportunity to share the story of the food through social. So sharing the the story of that chicken sandwich through social, through Instagram, through TikTok, through YouTube is going to take a lot more time, and it's going to be an an investment. But if they start doing that, that's going to be their competitive advantage over all the big corporate giants that A, aren't willing to do it, B, don't know how to do it, and C, um, probably won't approve or have too many approval processes for how that's going to happen.
1: Priya Shah talks about uh, that the if you build it, they will come marketing strategy is not a good strategy. And I completely agree with that. We had this idea that if just focus on the food. If the food is great, they'll come, they'll come back. And that was probably never actually true and definitely not true today that we have to connect on a meaningful level. So Michelle, what you're talking about, I think the opportunity is absolutely there the vulnerability that we need to overcome is we need to make farmers fucking cool rock stars. Like they have to be the attention grabbers because what they're doing is the most meaningful work, right? Uh, For me, always talking about the dishwasher, most important person in our industry. That's why we have had dishwashers on our show, which nobody seems to care about yet, I think they should. And so telling those meaningful stories, because look, you can't compete with McDonald's on a burger. You can't compete with Popeyes on the chicken, but you can have a chicken that tells a different kind of story because they get to know the rancher and the, the farmer that is growing, raising that chicken. Yeah. You have a limited rock breed of chicken, like Eat. connect people to that story. So Michelle, anything else you're thinking that would help us Eat. kind of navigate that? Because I know that's an important mission yours, and it's a big uphill climb for sure, as, as you know.
4: Yeah, I think that you know that that what you just said right there is amen. You're so great at uh, speaking me Brazilian. I'm like, oh, okay, How can I say it better? But what I wanted to add to that is that okay, like um, I think Sean and Kyle said, you know, you never uh, you have Popeye up there, you have McDonald's up there. When I order food, I don't even see those at the top. Right? Because because I don't eat those. Because what I want to have in my body are not things that, you know, you pay fifteen dollars, you get that meal. Guess what? Your body, you know Expels it out within the hour. So you're not saving money. You're not saving time. You're eating empty empty calories and nutrition So I think I think the the consumer has is waking up has wake woke up But it's also it's it's getting stronger and stronger and stronger by bringing the farmer into that um, narrative it helps that cause which is food as medicine not food as poisoning, you know uh, these companies, uh, preservatives are killing people. We're farming. Pe- let's okay. So I'll just say this: Let's stop farming people and let's start farming food again. Thank you.
2: I will. I will say this. I think that that's a great point in terms of the marketing piece, right? Like if you can get that part out there, I think that's your angle, right? I mean, you're 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 letting people know what they're actually doing to their bodies. Yeah. And instead, you tell the story of I actually give a shit. This is what I'm doing to 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 put food on your table. This is the farmer that grew it. This is my supplier. Check him out. Here's his truck. This is where we load the stuff. There's his, you know, this is Mikey helps me make the, whatever it is. I mean, that kind of stuff, that's the advantage, right? Like I think going deep hyper-local in your, uh, like your local market, your regional market with that kind of stuff. I mean, that's, that's, that's where you really differentiate, right? You're going to find the, you know, your, your vibe attracts your tribe kind of deal. I think that's, that's the, the distinct advantage you can have over these ghost kitchen brands that are offshoots of of the the major players.
4: Yeah. 100% and, you know, being a sustainable coach, I help restaurants. I have helped uh, five or six restaurants now this year. Um, I'm going towards sustainability. So if there's anybody here um, that have a restaurant, want to do a ghost kitchen or anything like that, my DM is always open on Instagram, send me a message and you're like, huh, I can't find a farmer. I can't find this, you know, connect with me, I will help you. There's always a way to go away to to not have to order from the Cisco truck. I will help you get that going.
1: Michele, and definitely check out Michelle here on clubhouse uh, influential here as well, making an impact with female farmers united. So search out that club as well. And the, you know, the power of food type conversations happening there, some compelling stuff, for sure. Little cliffhanger. Keisha's going to come up uh, in a little bit. And take that because somebody who's very focused on the, uh, the body and the food and the nutrition side of what's happening. So I love that Michelle, started with the soil. And now we're going to get into talking about some of the nutrition with Keisha here in a bit, but I wanted to go to something personal because I think the personal and the ability to express personality is going to be key. I think we keep hitting on that in multiple ways. So I wanna bring Katie, uh, Kim Fisco, uh, to talk to us a little bit, who's just kind of starting out on their journey is somebody who this was a second career for them, like super proud mom of three that, that can, hustle in the kitchen and and absolutely is somebody who uh, will make a difference in the scene down in colorado springs has you know been a right hand for brother luck of top chef fame and and is now venturing out somebody who speaks a lot on on cultural food cultural appropriation understanding their own heritage and uh, that that filipina movement right now that i think is so underrated and do not sleep on the Filipino culture and cuisine. Best, best pork that you could imagine and some amazing uh, flavor combinations. So anyway, sorry, you, Katie, tell us about your concept. I get fired up every time I think about it. So (laughs) break it down for us a little bit. What are you thinking? What are you trying to get into? Because I think your personality is gonna shine through this concept and that's what we need, no matter what type of brick and mortar or ghost kitchen or food truck you are doing.
5: Yeah, um, first of all, I just want to thank you for this time in this space, um, huge blessing to me to be in the right time and right place right now. And also thank you, Jensen, for being the most awesome Flava Flav. Of all. Just the best hype man. Um, so thank you for touching on my story. I'm Filipino-American. My mom's um, from Nueva Sia, it's like central Philippines, and my husband, um, him and his family immigrated here. Uh, when he was eight years old. They're from Iba, Zambales. And I'm very passionate about celebrating Filipino food um, and not shying away from the fermented stuff or the scary things that other people might find alien or foreign. And so I just really want to dig into that and celebrate it um, and have Filipinos be proud of their food instead of only showing up with adobo and only showing up with Bansit and lumpia because that's American-friendly to American palates. So um, I want to be unapologetic about um, how my our food and our culture and our people are presented, but also be welcoming. Um, so yeah, that's me. And as far as ghost kitchens go, I'm um, interested on any wisdom and input, especially from Michelle. Um, I definitely came into this room to. St- to talk about uh, connecting with vendors that I would be proud to represent um, and uplift in my community. Also starting a young professional and social um, Filipino uh, community group here in Colorado Springs. So if you know anybody who might be interested or wants to get involved, get in touch with me. We're going to be connected with the Philam community here. Um, Yeah, So that's me. Thank you.
1: Let's let's stay with that uh, hive mind here. Let's give some feedback. I think one of the things that you're going to run into is access to the proper ingredients at the right quality level of your expectation uh, is going to be a, a key factor there. So maybe Katie wanted to come back to you. Have you run into issues with that? Have you not gotten quite the... Uh, the ingredients that you need, is it a sourcing issue? Could Michelle connect you with farmers that then could start cultivating certain products? Like what's the uh, what's the vulnerability you see maybe in the supply chain side? The, Cause that could be an issue, a practical thing that we could uh, address right now. Okay.
5: Yeah, I mean, even for me, uh, you know, working in a couple different kitchens, not just for brother, but ephemera here in Colorado Springs, great in a little food hall, uh, Kawadi off of town popping in and out of kitchens and seeing what chefs are actually using. Sometimes they have to break down, not not have to, but they're kind of succumb to using Cisco because they need the product right away and they don't have the relationship. So I think there's a breakdown in relationship between, for whatever reason, farmers in the Colorado area, Colorado Springs, Denver area, and chefs and cooks in the Colorado Springs area. Um, we have a couple vendors that we do use like Growers Organic, Food Maven, and then a couple mushroom um, growers, uh, suppliers here that they grow here locally and we, we source from them. So those are just a small handful, but I feel like there's gotta be more and there's just gotta be more people that I'm not not in the right place at the right time for that.
1: All right, look, you can count on us. Everybody in this room is going to to look through their phone and find that one person to connect you with. So make sure, click on Katie's uh, uh, profile. Let's see, are you? Yes, there you go. KTCONS on uh, Insta, and we'll make sure we get you some support. Anything as far as that goes, Michelle, maybe this is good insight for you, Kyle, Sean, for you guys, sourcing is always a major issue. Sometimes it's amazing that we have an international opportunity to get ingredients from everywhere, and sometimes it creates vulnerability. So any thoughts there, Michelle, any ways that uh, Katie could cultivate some relationships that could serve her uh, cause and uh, concept? No, nope, maybe we lost Michelle. Sean, Kyle, anything for you guys? I think uh supply chain is an interesting uh, notion now more than ever, especially if you're looking to get very,
0: very culturally cuisine specific. Troy, do you want to jump in? I see you flashing your mic.
3: Yeah, so, uh, you know, when Katie was talking, uh, I'm very familiar with her territory. I. Lived in Breckenridge for three years. My wife was in Bale for six and um, totally understand the challenges, you know, as you get onto the front range. um, There's not a lot of agriculture that meets that need. You know, I'm digging real deep right now into vertical farming and the opportunities that exist there. You know, I'm in California where we have an abundance of agriculture. My family owns my wife's family owns a 130 acre avocado lemon farm um, and we're surrounded in that valley by everything you could ever want. But um, the logistical challenge for Nourish is, you know, when we go to places that I go to Phoenix, you know, uh, what am I going to do for fresh greens that don't have to travel 700 miles? Because that's our our promises to. Uh, ensure that all of our ingredients come within 350 miles of each store is our goal. Logistical nightmare to try to scale a 300 to 500 unit concept across the United States and internationally. But so vertical farming, I think, is is a interesting opportunity. And there's several players in the field that I've been spending a lot of time with. So um, whether it's like Freight Farms, which is a container based uh, vertical farming platform or an in-store farming platform by B- uh, Babylon Farms, Uh, And there's more coming. There's some coming on very large scale there. You're going to see sensei agriculture show up in um, in in deserts uh, with massive uh, vertical uh, robotic based opportunities. So, you know, but it's not unaffordable. So literally, Katie, you know, a group in your area could um, buy one to three of these units and serve 20 to 30 restaurants um, all of their produce needs, at least from a green's. And forget microgreens, we don't want to get into that conversation, but, you know, at least from a greens, um, a variety of greens point of view and and certainly some vegetables as well. But, um, you know, the way to satisfy a very specific need might be to do it yourself or get a co-op together um, to invest in in some opportunities. And it doesn't have to be in a freight container, although that makes it very flexible. You know, you can go vertical in just about any space. So I'm really excited about that. Um, we are actually... Uh, committed to having a freight farm at every pod park we build, and we're committed to um, a Babylon uh, vertical, uh, a whole, a, a, a scalable, not the cabinet—they have these pretty cabinets that you can put in your living room or in your your front of house—but an actual uh, scalable uh, system uh, in our food hall um, uh, locations as well. So uh, I think that's to Michelle's point: know your farmer. And and I love this about the pandemic, and I love this about. Clubhouse, uh, this is a huge conversation across a lot of rooms, and the 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 connection to the farmer and to Kyle's point and Sean is the uh, the barbecue media company of the of, of the world. Um, you know, you've got to get out there and tell that story. And I'm really excited. We have a film team set up, and we're actually starting with my family's farm, but we'll be going around and doing a video profile and interview of every farmer and rancher we work with. So. Um, this is the future for people that are serious about good, clean, healthy food coming to your table, and I think it's going to put a dent in the industry in regards to uh, people shifting towards uh, a healthier option.
1: I appreciate that. We're going to need uh, you to share links, uh, Babylon Sensei, and anything else you think is of interest, because, again, we are going to have a massive amount of links on the description of this recorded episode. Again, we'll we'll get that up on the Best Served Podcast on uh, this upcoming Tuesday, noon Eastern time, so that you have access to these resources. Lots Check. of, again, the terminology, lots of stuff on the numbers, uh, some things and breakdowns as far as uh the cost of actually operating. So we'll have some of that information for you to to be able to peruse
0: through because it is it's a lot for sure. Uh, yeah. Jensen, I I just had a real quick question. Troy, are you going to be repurposing that video into uh, an RSS feed for podcast?
3: Um, yes, because Sean's going to teach me how, or or Eric, or yes, <laughs>
1: Stover, Stover's here in the put, room. He's I, on I, it.
3: Yesterday perfect, I pushed
0: perfect. guy Guy Eats who's yes. the Cal Ripken of Clubhouse if you guys aren't following Guy he's, he's phenomenal. He puts on a restaurant marketing uh, podcast. Actually, if you're in the room, go ahead and click on the little Monopoly greenhouse on the top. And so you can follow digital hospitality. But um, yeah, I was pushing guy to start his podcast. He was he was waiting for it to be perfect. And he's already hosting just incredible rooms every day on clubhouse And I, You know, Jensen's doing it for us. Thankfully, um, Stover's in the audience. Uh, I think he's still there. Yeah, Stover's there. So he will we'll repurpose this as well on digital hospitality for our podcast. But Troy, I look forward to hearing more about that. And Michelle and Katie and uh, Keisha, I hope you guys are doing the same. And if you're not following a uh, restaurant unstoppables, we do have uh, the host, the unstoppable host himself sitting in on the conversation, Eric Cacciatore. So um, follow those guys as well.
1: All right. So as I mentioned, uh, I'm not very good at uh, cliffhangers. I'm new to this whole hosting thing, but Keisha Garza, somebody I want to have speak to us for a little bit. Keisha and I, uh, this is what I do. I am platform agnostic. I go everywhere people are and I communicate the way are whatever way kids are speaking these days. Well, then I try to cool uncle that shit and figure out how to communicate with as many people as possible. And right now that a lot of times means going into industry specific, uh, regional city specific Facebook groups and just asking questions. That's all I know how to do. And Keisha is somebody who responded to some questions that I had about, like, Are you having issues? You know, with toxic cultures within restaurants, like, let's talk about the systemic issues that we have all faced, that we sweep under the rug, that we now need to address, do something about, or that we're going to lose this industry. And Keisha was... Passionate, had great things to say. Has worked in, you know, top-rated kitchens across Chicago and the country, and has has done the uh, self abuse and hierarchy inflicted brigade abuse, and is now saying I'm going to do something different. Is really a voice that uh, I now uh, look up to because we just started interacting and working on articles for Besser podcast and going to school, doing the food science thing, like really, really trying to make an impact. So I want Keisha to talk a little bit because nutrition, portion size, Understanding the food we're putting in our body as an extension of what Michelle was talking about is absolutely what Keisha is looking to bring into the market and have somebody be able to carry on. So Keisha, you want to tell us a little bit about uh food concept? What would you be thinking if you were trying to get food delivered into the bodies of people all across Chicago?
6: Oh Well, first, I can't go right into my concept because that was just awfully nice of you, Jensen. And everyone, I you all are inspiration and motivating for what I believe in. So I'm sorry. I wish Troy was here because I definitely support what he's doing. But um, I just want to circle back on like what everybody is talking about really quick. And I'm going to talk fast. So if you could keep up, great. If not, it's recorded. So <laughs> um, all right. So. First, you know, like, you know, just from the beginning, how you guys were saying how everyone has transitioned into the ghost kitchen, you know, one thing I definitely feel that chefs are a little bit background to me. I was a chef. I'm a back of the house type of person. So I'm very used to being behind the scenes. So talking and presenting is new to me. This is actually my first time being on this. So Um, being adaptable, right? Like we all have to be adaptable. So in order to transition, you have to be adaptable. And you know, looking at the numbers, how much food we, you know the money that goes into food—160 billion. Then 10 years are going to have you know future. We're looking at trillions, and it's just insane how much money is being sent spent. So, you know, one thing I really definitely want to touch on, Katie, is that I worked for Chef's Warehouse, which is a is a nationwide food distributor, and you know, food supply. You know, be working. For the foods uh, for a food distributor you know there's definitely resources for everything like there wasn't anything that I couldn't find for my customer. so I would definitely recommend getting with maybe chefs warehouse because I was able to source everything and anything especially if I believed in it if I could pitch it to my boss I'm gonna get the ingredient for you one way or the other if it's coming from Mexico or if it's coming from California I'm gonna get you whatever um, ingredient that you need so if you want to connect with me feel free to message me I could give you some pointers and I also know that like people who are starting with food products they love going direct to restaurants like this kombucha brand that I worked with circle I don't know if they're located in um, and then um, Ohio I, th- I think Ohio. and um, they were going hitting the restaurants and giving great prices way better prices than the food distributors are going because food distribution is they're just margins right so the smaller you are the more margin. So if you have a one account that is only buying about a $1,000 worth of food, you're probably getting marked at 50 to 75% margin above cost of what the distributor is making. Anyways, okay, so my concept, one serving, that's the name of it. So why eat three servings per meal when you can eat one? So by law, serving sizes are based on the amount of food people typically consume and what nutrients determine consists of a healthy chlorotic diet. Utilizing one serving Eliminates the pressure and decreases the social norms of overconsumption. Our social economic structure. And marketing encourages overconsumption and excessive sale of food products. What is the consumers? Where there is consumer demand, businesses will always try to meet that demand. Nutritional labels are my inspiration for the one-serving concept. The government provides us with all the tools that we need to calculate appropriate serving sizes to feed the public. Being a chef, I find it very important to understand what's appropriate serving sizes to ensure healthy, to ensure public health and sustainability. We cannot avoid food related illnesses in America if people are consuming more than ever and one-third of the world's food products are being wasted activists and scientists like myself are currently trying to find ways to actively combat food waste ending in our landfills and environmental impacts to our soil and water there's only one there's only so much room on this planet for food and humans going back to what you guys just talked about the vertical gardens I mean I see um, fish farms on land because there's no room. The waters are polluted. The soils polluted. So what are we going to do? They can't even source it. So let's, you know, like why do all that when we could figure out ways to, to utilize the sources that we have and be sustainable? So there is so... Uh, there are currently 7.8 billion people living on the Earth. Scientists project that human population in 2050 will be over 9 billion. As restaurant owners, workers, food producers, investors, shareholders, partnerships, it's all of our responsibility to combat global food issues together. It's time to start contributing and positively impacting change in how much food we consume. I study food science. I currently work for Mary New. Nutrisciences who is dedicated to pr- protecting consumers' health throughout the world by delivering a wide range of tests and consultory services to the food and nutrition, nutrition industries. I believe I can provide food to the public with a very simple approach, measuring appropriately. I use the FDA guidelines to figure out what are realistic sizes when dining out. Well, guess what? There isn't any. There is no official documents on serving sizing for takeouts. There is so this is a very new concept, and obviously, SoulMe is still under revision. All, all the takeout will be compostable to be environmentally friendly, organic, antibiotic-free, and sustainable food products. The goal is to have minimal food waste with expectations of improving public health. Why this is important to me? My family has a very long um, history of diabetes. My brother is currently on dialysis. He, you know is mainly because of all the bad food choices that are available on the market like mcdonald's popeyes kfc um you know working 12 14 hour shifts these guys are eating at these places twice three times a day sometimes there are no available healthy choices that are flavorful and good that people want I mean, there's obviously a lot of marketing out there right now. Like that home shop, they deliver the food. They tell you how much to eat per service size, and then you make it and it tastes delicious. So why can't more concepts like these go out there? Okay, I'm done.
1: Keisha. For every for everybody listening, I just want to tell you, uh, Keisha is in f- finals this week at school in full school scholastic presentation mode. Was so prepared, was so wanting every single word that she spoke to to really have an impact. We worked on on that little bit. I love that you just read it and like. I want you to feel comfortable in the way that you communicate and clearly creating a presentation is. So feel confident in the fact that we all heard you. We feel you, everybody here. Nobody gives a shit about a fucking burger concept here. Everybody is like, how does the burger tell a meaningful story? How does it have an impact on our community? How does it have an impact on our environment? That's what we're talking about here. And then if we can package that in a way that is thoughtful, that is equitable, profitable, and sustainable, then that's what we're here to do. So I appreciate that. Uh, I think, interesting thing, I want to I give practical feedback. Kyle, Sean, co- come back to you guys a little bit on this. And we are at the hour. I, I think maybe we'll extend this 15 minutes. I do want to hear from Eric. I do want to hear from Joe. I do want to open up for a couple questions just to make sure that, uh, again, this is part one of many, I'm sure, but just anything that's top of mind right now. However, uh, what I think is interesting is uh, I came up as a chef and plate coverage was an important thing. And our fucking plates got bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. And so I think it's an interesting thing. If the food is showing up and the, it's of small portions. How can we break the uh, stereotypical approach of like more is better? I know that's a huge issue. Kyle, Sean, anything you guys see as the opportunity within the delivery model when that food shows up, that it is well received, both visually, from a value standpoint, and then obviously what's going into your body thoughts there to give Keisha some feedback.
0: loaded question Jensen (laughs)
1: yeah I'm just I'm I'm not pitching softballs here right?
0: (laughs) that's a loaded question well first I mean first I just I I really want to emphasize the point like Keisha I I'm so happy that you came on stage to share your story Katie Michelle. that this is, is literally the power of Clubhouse and I can't underestimate or overstate how excited I am about the platform because it's forcing Kyle Jensen, Eric, you know these are guys that I respect the hell out of for the voices that they're adding to our industry, the interviews that they're doing, the work that they're doing to to get the voices of all these incredible stories in the hospitality business that we all care about. But Keisha, Katie, Michelle, like I'm hoping that you guys are starting to share your voices, not just on clubhouse, but through your own podcast, through your own media, because that's, that's, what's important. And that's the beauty of the thing that we're all holding in our hands is it can connect us in ways like there's all, we all see the documentaries on Netflix. We all see the statistics about how bad social media is, but if you choose good, if you put yourself around good people, a rising tide lifts all ships. And I hope that we can continue to have these conversations. Um, I know that Jensen, Kyle, uh, myself, Eric, um, the people in the room, you guys are are what makes this room happen. And um, I, I hope that we can just keep having this conversation. So I didn't answer your question.
1: That, that was very politician-y of you. But way to go. I was expecting you to answer my question by asking another question and answering that question. But I appreciate it. Here's what I'm going to tell you. It is very likely you will see Keisha, Katie, and Michelle with their own channels on Best Served. If it's a column on bestservedpodcast.com, on Best Served Read, uh, if, it's, if it's cooking – uh, Filipina food and showing people sig sig or, or different dishes, or if it's Michelle teaching people how to uh, plant a tomato, you will you will see them represented because that's the whole idea of our platform. So Keisha, I, I think one of the things that I want everybody thinking about with portion size, and we're, we're going to say it again and again and again, you have to be able to communicate what people are going to get from this. What's in it for me does absolutely matter. Why should I care about? New- nutrition? Why should I care about what I'm putting in my body? I think the value comes after you consume the food. And shifting when we place value on the perception of value is going to be key in that. What brands need to do that are in this more thoughtful space, and clearly that's what we're talking about between Troy, Michelle, Keisha, Katie, everybody, is we need to talk about the value of after you eat the food, the impact that it's going to have on how good we feel physically, mentally, emotionally. These are the things that people are caring about more and more and more. If you look at meditation is a billion dollar industry. Now, this is the reality of where we're at. We're starting to care. We just don't know how to connect our past failures with the opportunity that we have to do something different with our bodies and food has been guilty. Right. And there's a lot of things we can talk about of why you can get two cheeseburgers for a dollar that are creating a competitive disadvantage for somebody who's amazingly well curated ground themselves from a local rancher that's doing Scottish Highland cattle burger should be 16, $18 is a, is a hard conversation to have. It has to be about shifting when we perceive value. So I think Keisha Michelle, everyone, that is going to be the challenge. Now I say that like it's fucking easy to Kyle's point that it's not easy. Marketing is the, is the game that we're in. Absolutely. And marketing is different than advertising. I want people to just know that marketing is storyteller advertising is transactional sales. You need both, you need to separate them, and we haven't done a good enough job on that. Too many people are using social media to be like, buy my shit today, buy my shit today, buy my shit today, and they're not bringing value into their ecosystem. You have to do that, that's that's this. No matter what you do, no matter how you package it, uh, so that's going to be super important. Uh, we're, we're going to wrap here in a minute, and obviously, got to get at Eric Cacciatore up on stage to, to to bring some insights and wisdoms and just the best voice in the business. I think I think as soon as I said your name, I try to drop a little bit more into my announcer voice. Eric, did you feel that? I, I, I did
4: it. <laughs> oh, you guys give me too much credit. <laughs>
7: I'm,
1: I'm just happy to be here. It's been fun to listening in,
7: and um, I don't have much more to add. Maybe just to reinforce. Uh, I think. When ghost kitchens and this idea of virtual kitchens first came around, I think people initially were afraid of it. Uh, I think that's just kind of human nature—we we are afraid of what we don't know. Uh, and I don't—I don't think we need to look. I think we were also maybe thinking that this might be the end all be all. Like at first, like this is going to take over restaurants. Uh, physical restaurants are going to go away. We all know that's not true. I think it's—it's it's more of a. We we also know ghost kitchens aren't going anywhere. So I think it's you got to look at ghost kitchens as. Uh, Not this or that, but yes, and. So, like, what you've been doing and this is another opportunity. I think there's a lot of excitement around this. I think there's a lot of uh, great opportunity that's coming. When I think... Of the benefits of ghost kitchens, I think of a lower, you know, barrier of entry. I think it's leveling the playing field, and I think that the ghost kitchen is going to be the new pop up. And I think it's and, and it's going to be a combination of doing ghost kitchens and doing pop ups. It's just another tool in your utility belt that you can use to get your food into malls. And I think it's exciting. Uh, I I don't think that hospitality, as we know it, is going away. If anything, I think that. To compound off of what you all have been sharing today is we are becoming more awake than ever. We're learning more about what humans need to be happy. And the cool thing is that all that reinforces um, kind of this trend that we've been going in, which is just, just like conscious capitalism of we need to start injecting soul in uh, values into business. And I think, um, you know, I'll, I'll admit I was a little afraid when I started hearing about Ghost Kitchens. I'm like, we worked so hard to make progress uh, in the industry to, to, you know, to share the stories of the farmers, of the people that this is their blood, sweat and tears. And then you think of a ghost kitchen where you can just create a brand and make it as transactional as possible. I mean, I think it's the the definition of being reactive, right? Just trying to to get involved in something to make a bunch of money and it's sucking the soul out of it. But what you've been saying, and, and I think Sean, you reinforce this too, is that it's not about the food. It's about the story back of it. And, um, and really we're, we're, I think in going into the future, people are going to be so much more intentional with their money because they're going to spend money to feel good and they're going to realize what makes you feel good is supporting those that are in your community. I think it's just, it's the evolution of it all. Uh, so I don't need to mention anything new. I just think that we should be, we should choose to be excited about it. And I think you should use this as a way to test markets or test concepts, test ideas, and um, just be as transparent as possible and continue to do what you've been doing, but just use this as an opportunity to, You know, to get yourself out there uh, more readily and more at a lower cost.
1: That's all I got. Yeah, thanks for that, Eric. Uh, As we do wrap this room, anybody who's in the audience. Uh, if you want to hit that little hand sign in the bottom right corner, if you do want to contribute anything, ask any questions, please do. We want to uh, uh, allow for that if there is anything. We covered a lot, so if everyone is just completely brain overload again, this will be up on our podcast channels uh, this upcoming Tuesday noon uh, Eastern time. And with lots of links to resources so that you can kind of do some of your own homework and uh, can get get back into the mindset of what it would actually take to accomplish these things and again we'll get into a few more of these as well because there's just too much to cover in one so again if anyone has anything they'd like to ask I'd like to leave space for that Uh, Sean and Kyle uh, last thoughts and and where people can find you where they can
2: interact we talked about it slide into those DMs (laughs) we're here to help yeah I wanted to say uh, Jensen you did a phenomenal job moderating this room it was really uh, a lesson in how it's done so thank you for that uh, I know that it's not easy. You're a real pro. So um, yeah, kind of just what one last thing <laughs> to throw on Somebody, everybody's plate here before we kind of end the show. But I really, what I really do love about ghost kitchens from a real estate perspective is it allows operators to test markets, right? That they don't have to spend a million dollars to do so. So if you're smart and you have your fastball and you want to bring it from Boston to Chicago, well, Let's look you up with a ghost kitchen place and see if you can run out, you know, pump out some volume from there, get some feedback. And you know what? Maybe it's a, a three month test, maybe it's six months, maybe it's a year, maybe it does convert into an opportunity, but it gives you more flexibility, which I think is the overarching theme of what's happening in our industry. As the more flexible, the more, you know, able you are to to change, to the to, to the growing trends or to the environment, then the better off you'll be. Um you guys can find me at Kyle and Sarah on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, on the podcast, national restaurant Owners podcast. And, uh, thank you again, Jensen. Great job.
0: Great job, Jensen and Kyle. Uh, I'm committed to keep this conversation going forward. Um, every week. I'm not sure if we're going to do it at the same time. Like I said, I'll be tuning in from Bulgaria for the month of July, but I, I, I think it's important to keep having the conversation because it's so, complicated. Um, There's so much opportunity, but there's also risk involved. So I like the diversity of thought. Um, You know, the, the things that were added today are, are very important. And I wouldn't be as aggressive about the opportunity. We wouldn't be turning our 5,700-square-foot restaurant into a master smokehouse. Literally, we've hired architects to develop plans to remove 150 seats from our restaurant so that we can add 10 smokers, so that we can open up 10 friendly ghost kitchens in San Diego County. I wouldn't be as bullish on that opportunity. if. You- opportunity, if it wasn't for what Kyle talked about. And that's the reduced cost to open up and test a new market. So I can go into a new market in San Diego, a place that through social polling through Instagram, through Facebook, through Twitter, I can find out socially all the people that are engaging with our brand, where where do they live? And where would they like to b- us to buy barbecue? But I can also use analytics from our tech partners to find out where are people searching for barbecue. And then with a ghost kitchen concept, a friendly ghost kitchen concept, I can get into 200 square feet. And because I'm smoking it at the master location, deliver it on a daily basis, fresh food. Once we're out, we slow smoke our barbecue. It's craft barbecue. Once we're out, we're out. But I can open up that location at less than $75,000 cost. That's significantly less than me opening up a another full service restaurant and sports bar in another part of San Diego. I mean, we're talking about a 1.5 to $2.5 million build out, depending on, on, on our location. And, And that's, what's exciting for me. And back to the commitment, I don't have to have a five to 10 year lease at a ghost kitchen location. I don't actually have to go into a cloud kitchen or a, a group kitchen concept where there's other commissaries. I can be a part of a brewery. I can be a part of a hotel. It all, it, the space is so flexible to test, and I think Eric Cacciatore made a, a great point, and that's you know, th- this is a, a new way to do pop-ups. It's a new way to do pop-ups. It's a new way for us to add revenue, and uh, I, I look forward to keep having this conversation moving forward. Like I said, uh, please follow Digital Hospitality Podcast. Uh, we talk about smartphone storytelling. I've had every uh, podcaster that's in the room. Kyle's been on the show. Jensen's been on the show. Eric Cacciatore's been on the show. Um, but the thing I love about clubhouses, we can bring that podcast conversation into a room. And we can bring people that listen to the conversation people that engage other thought leaders onto the stage to have a diversity of thought. And, you know, one of the things I love is that digital hospitality is our thesis, every business needs to be digital, and every business needs to be in the hospitality business. But I also love counterpoints to my theory, because it helps me better explain why I care about what I do. So um, anybody go to my profile. Um, I'm active on Instagram. I'm active on all profiles, shocking. Uh, But you can get me on Instagram, Sean P. Walchef. slide into my DMs. And uh, we can keep uh, keep the conversation going. And I hope you guys uh, keep joining us uh, weekly on these rooms
1: what a great room uh, i'm gonna lay some groundwork for the next uh, rooms i already kind of have an idea of of some of the directions that we can take that so definitely click on that greenhouse right here get on to clubhouse if you're listening uh the recording on any of the podcasts and go check out digital hospitality club you can just search that within clubhouse check out the best served FB creatives club our club on Clubhouse, follow all of us. If you even go into my profile, you can scroll to the bottom and the bottom, very bottom left icon is best served FME creatives. Good way to find that. So you can keep in touch. The next room I think that we wanna do is we wanna break down the actual financials. What would it take? we talked about a million, million and a half dollars. What's it gonna take to get into one of these concepts, uh, to transition into one of these concepts? Is it 20,000, is it 50,000, is it 5,000? What is it gonna take to do that. So we'll break that down for you a little bit. And then I want to talk about the relationship because we are all in the relationship business, I'm broken record on that. And understanding the all the relationships, all the baton handoffs, where you're counting on somebody else to help you bring your vision to life and to sustain it as a viable business talking about relationships with third party apps with your technology with the last mile solutions with drivers showing up at your locations with their ability To create hospitality from end to end to the qr code that shows somebody how to cook your dish or tells them thank you thank you for ordering from us and hey if you ever have the opportunity to swing by the restaurant to pick it up to drop by our ghost kitchen to uh, pick up your food or to go directly through our website we'd be so grateful and if ever you want to order through doordash again we're also grateful for that. Create true hospitality through those relationships. Those will be the next two rooms that I definitely want to talk about in this. Uh, For me, Jensen at best serve podcast email directly, hit me up on any of the platforms best serve podcast Jensen Cummings anywhere, I will absolutely respond and find the people that can support you, if it's me, if it's Sophie on our team, if it's Andrew on our team, if it's anybody, Corey on our team, if it's Mimi Land who we've been working on with Clubhouse, if it's Sean, Kyle, Eric, somebody has the opportunity to support you you are not alone. Being an entrepreneur feels very lonely. And then please go check out com. It takes you directly to our blog. You're gonna see a lot more stories being told there from people who have not been anointed by food media. That's a whole different conversation that we believe their voice matters. You'll see things from Keisha. You'll see stories from, from chefs like Joshua Woolbutt, who's, you know been at Madison Park and now has a son and saying, Would I want my son to be a chef? These are the questions that we're asking, asking ourselves as individuals, as as teams, as businesses, as communities, as food people, as indispensable. In our communities essential doesn't even begin to come to cover it indispensable unstoppable as eric calls it uh and that's what we need to focus on that's it uh, i appreciate everybody for being here keisha katie michelle kyle sean everybody who contributed everybody who's taking a moment out of their busy day picking up their phone and listening to uh, us babble uh, truly grateful so uh, we're going to end the room on that notes and uh, we will see you back in the clubhouse or on the podcast very soon you